Welcome back to the In the Dugout podcast. My name is Jason Ward, a.k.a. Red Sox Dugout, alongside Garrett Jacobs-Meyer and Alex Jefferson. What's up? Hello. We got a big episode. We haven't done an episode in a month, but we come back with a bang. We got Austin Bryce on this episode, Red Sox relief pitcher. Um, it was a great one. You're going to like it. We'll get to that in a couple minutes. But um, first, so what's changed in like the month that we haven't done an episode? I mean, I've been talking There's to one of my followers about all the random things that keep coming. Um, so we had the whole, like 2020 is obviously terrible and there's just more things that keep going wrong. Um, it's cursed. Yeah. But I think that we've officially hit level five of Jumanji. Um, <laughs> but let's see. We got murder hornets, which have murder in the name. They're not really that bad, but they have murder in the name. Um, we got, let's see, uh, flying spiders in Houston. Uh, giant invasive four foot long lizards in Georgia. Um, <laughs> Asian giant gypsy moths. Um, I think that the way yeah. that this works, I've played a lot of video games. The way that this works is you're going to get all these little things along the way. And then it's not over until you defeat the boss. So I think once we get to the boss, then this should, should be on the downswing. What do you think, what what do you think the, the boss? boss is? That's the real question. Based on how this has gone, probably Godzilla. <laughs> you're sure it's not going to be um mothra i it, i don't know i mean it could be the predator um Ooh. Ooh. another thing aliens just kind of like existed that was another thing tossed in there the pentagon just confirmed yeah aliens exist and it wasn't even a storyline because of how 2020 has gone so maybe it's a giant alien attack that's the final boss i don't know have you seen the, <laughs> you see the movie the where, aliens want to stand a chance we have corona they die have you seen the movie pixels with adam sandler Oh, of yeah. course. That's what of this course. is going to be. Is we're going to be out there with like our pixel guns shooting like these like the aliens made like our video game things, our enemies. And that's do what I get like the on. do I get like the hot cartoon girl at the end? No. Damn, that's the worst thing ever. One of us has to be sacrificed and eaten by Pac-Man. I vote for Joey. Yeah, Joey's not here, so it's Joey. <laughs> I have no idea what Joey's even doing anymore. Is he Sorry. still doing his daily tweets? He kind of just stopped. Let's let's check in with uh, Joey's Twitter real quick. Um, he hasn't done the day post in a while. This last one. Um, oh, one thing he had. I really miss sitting in class listening to the annoying kids I hate talk and turning to my friends saying, man, I hate that kid. Yeah. Um, his last day post was day 54. I said so He's really falling off. I love Coco Krispies. Uh, <laughs> UFC on Saturday. I am excited. Um, my TikTok should have blown up. My TikTok should have blown up. I Holy saw crap. that. What are you, you throwing rocks? Advertise? Can yeah. I use this to advertise? Yeah. Follow me at throwing rocks on TikTok. I throw rocks. I got one yesterday. It was pretty good. I went over to the quarries and I threw rocks. It was fun. Um, yeah, they're really Sounds entertaining. very entertaining, yeah. They're actually great. Hey, it only takes a second to follow and a second to like. That's all you need, man. And you can make my absolute day. It's a good time. How many likes have you gotten so far? What's your highest total? Uh, I got like 18 likes in one video. Oh, nice. It was my best video. <laughs> Double so, digits. Yeah. yeah, I know. It's sick. Almost um, into the 20s, too. Yeah, follow me. It's, it's pretty good. I, I take all suggestions. I was thinking about throwing rocks at people. Or like pictures of people. I don't know. Like pick someone that's universally disliked, like 
um, like Ooh. Voldemort and throw Ooh. rocks at him. Print out a picture. picture of print out a picture of Luke Voigt and hang it on a tree and just throw rocks. That's where just throw rocks at it. Yeah. 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 Or like do uh, Tyler Austin to reenact the Joe Kelly brawl. That's that's an option too. But I'd have to throw a rock in there somewhere. <laughs> you throw the rock at him. Okay. All right. Start I it. I, I would that. like to see that because then you'd just be like fighting a tree, and that'd be that'd be. <laughs> Top, top of the line wouldn't, entertainment. Wouldn't be more entertaining than throwing rocks, though. I, I mean, that's that's the issue is I don't understand TikTok, so I don't put in tags because I think it's I put in tags for the early ones and they did so much better than my last two where I didn't put in tags. Mm-hmm. And then I, I used like random trendy songs that added nothing to the video for my my first two, which are way put... more popular than my last two. But I'm like I like the music that I put in my last two better. So no, no, you have to put the um. It's like crocodile something. I don't. No, that was like two weeks ago. Yeah, oh, do whatever okay. the latest. I don't thing actually. Is. <laughs> I, I don't actually have a TikTok, so I don't know. But I wish get I one, didn't get one just to follow me, man. It's good. I don't know yeah. how I've been able to resist for so long. Like it's taken over the planet. The worst thing is, it, it used to be so much more fun, and now it's gotten so much more boring and, and uncreative. Like yeah. a, a couple of my friends use it, and there's only like three or four funny videos that come up a day. And because just those couple of my friends use it, they always get sent into our group chat because there's only like three or four of them. So I always see them on TikTok and then see them get sent because we're all seeing the same ones because there's not many funny ones. But yep, that's besides the point. Sorry, I'm angry now. All right, what else do we have to Wait, talk no, about? Wait, no, I saw that? a funny one that I want to show you. Oh, yeah? <laughs> what, how do, who sent you that if you don't have a TikTok? I have a TikTok. Oh, Alex does now. Oh, you have? Oh, follow me right now. Okay. Was it Throwing Rocks? rocks? Yeah, it's just throwing rocks. <laughs> throwing rocks. No spaces. 19 followers. Nice. Yep, yep, that's me. Now it's 20. You're in Let's the 20s. Go. Let's go. Yeah, this yeah. is great. So if you're out there and you have TikTok, follow Throwing Rocks on TikTok. It's high-class entertainment. Speaking of high-class <laughs> entertainment, we've got Austin Bryce on the podcast this week. Um, big interview. Yes, we do. We talked to him about what it's like being in quarantine. What we talked like. to him about TikTok. We we do not talk to him. We about don't. TikTok, we don't we actually. Have, Why would we, we should have convinced him to get a TikTok? That's what we should just have done. just so he can follow me. He could be He'd a be guest like, oh, star. He throws rocks really hard. That's true. He, he could throw yeah. some rocks pretty fast. Not not as good as me though. You you'll see when you when you like all my videos after the end of the episode, Jason. <laughs> okay, I'll make sure to <laughs> check that out. But um. Yeah, so here's Austin Bryce. All right, so we are joined by Red Sox pitcher Austin Bryce. How are you doing today, Austin? Good, good, thanks. So, I mean, the obvious question I have to ask is, what are you doing to keep busy during this quarantine? Um, well, I got a family. I, I got two kids. One, I got a newborn right now, so they're keeping me pretty busy. Um, and, you know, other than that, just hanging out at the house, uh, working out and throwing staying ready for the season if there is going to be a season so yeah that's about it fellas probably doing the same thing you guys are honestly so you know playing some video games dropping in on on call of duty you know just just the <laughs> just the usual stuff you were posted on instagram the other day uh some nerf guns and bullets what was going on with that yeah so my son got this uh nerf gun the other day because he's he's in the guns now so i don't know if that's <laughs> i don't know if that's a good thing so, um, yeah, I got him a Nerf gun, and then I realized how fun that was, and I I got a couple for for his mom and I, 
And so we just run around the house and smoke each other in the head with these nerf guns <laughs> all the time. So it's uh, it's been pretty fun. It brings back some nostalgia of uh, playing with my brothers and stuff like that with these nerf guns. So it's been fun. Is it uh is it weird being home in the spring instead of getting ready for a season? What's that like? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, honestly, it, it's kind of nice because I I forgot why I even lived in North Carolina, <laughs> and um, this is honestly the first spring that I've actually seen in ten years in North Carolina. You know, so it, it's crazy like seeing like the I know I know it sounds super like you know uh, nature or whatever, but like seeing like the trees blooming and like, you know, being in my hometown and, and seeing like summer and stuff rolling. It's really, it's really weird. Um, that's the type of stuff I think as baseball players, especially if you play for a long time that you, you kind of forget about. And so it's, it's one of those things of uh, that's, it's actually been kind of nice, but you know, weird at the same time, not, not playing the game. It's uh, I don't know, mixed, mixed emotions on that one. How are you staying ready for the season when you don't really know when exactly it's going to begin? So, I mean, the, the staff, the Red Sox staff and, and coaches and, and all, you know, players have been staying in touch. Um, I think it's really, really just a, a guessing game on, on when we need to be ready. You know, they kind of give us, you know, over the past couple months been giving us like little benchmarks and stuff like that to work towards. And um, I think with them, you know, most recent rumors of everything kind of popping up in June, you know, that, that just gives you something else to work towards. And so I, I think that's, that's, that's kind of where we're at right now is just, you know, trying to, trying to find something to, to keep ourselves busy and, and just to, to stay ready. I mean, that, that's all you can do. Um, but as of now, in terms of like dates and stuff, I'm, I'm not quite sure you know, what they have, what they have planned out. So as a new member of the Red Sox, has this like quarantine made even harder to maybe adjust into a new team as you've done that a couple times before? No, I mean, so my, my biggest adjustment was when I went from the Marlins, uh, the Marlins to the Reds. Um, Cause I was with the Marlins all through the minors. Um, and, you know, I debuted with them. And then that following off season, I got traded to the Reds. And uh, that was a huge adjustment for me because I didn't know any staff. I didn't know any players uh, besides, you know, a, a handful of guys. And, and most of them that I did know, you know, didn't really speak English. So um, that that was that kind of helped me transition to the Red Sox because I kind of, you know, I just threw myself expect. out. Yeah, yeah. You know, it wasn't it wasn't that that big of a deal this time. Um, so I kind of knew what I needed to do and, uh, I guess for lack of better words, fit in. Um, so it, it hasn't been that hard. It, it's actually been really nice. Um, and you know, there's also, when you take into account, there's also, you know, I'm not the only new guy coming in. There's new coaches, there's new players or whatever. So, um, uh, you know, you're not really alone in that boat. Who with the Red Sox have you kind of gravitated towards so far with the organization? I don't know. I don't think there was, there's really anybody I can point out. Um, I guess player wise, you know, like uh, Brian Johnson was, is, was sitting right next to me and he he's like a guy you talk to. It's like, you know, for like 10 years, you know, he's, he's a super good dude. Um, and, you know, there's a, most of the other guys, you know, that, um, 
that are all on the team were, were pretty pretty welcoming. Um, you know, workmen and and all those guys. You know, with me being a bullpen guy, you know, I had to uh, kind of get to know them a little bit better. So um, everybody's been really good. There there hasn't really been anybody, and I you know my tenure in spring training wasn't you know too long, so I didn't really have that that time to set in any concrete relationships yet. But um, everybody seems to be really good so far. So when a player gets traded or DFA'd, us as fans kind of just get the tweet or get the notification. We're like, okay, cool, we got this guy. What's it like for a player? What's that experience like on the inside? Other, other than everybody telling you you suck. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's no, it, it, it happens. It's part of the game. Um, I know. I knew this time being DFA'd wasn't because of my performance or anything like that. Um, so the stuff I had been hearing, it was kind of like, you know, I, I mean, you know, with the Marlins, they were kind of shedding everybody anyways, and they were looking to, you know, move players and stuff. And um, I think that was just their way of of moving me. I just think there was probably not really any other option other than that. And um, that's just how it happens. Um, I will say, though, with the Reds, when I got DFA'd, I, I got a little butt hurt. And, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those things. It's like, you know, I don't suck that bad. You know, I know my numbers are, are not great. But at the time, I was like, you know, I, I knew I had the stuff to be in the major leagues. And I knew that um, – I know that I belong in the major leagues. And so um, it was just – I don't know. You, you, whatever situation it is, you can just take it with a grain of salt, you know. When you get moved or you start hearing about a rumor or something like that, what do you hear first? Do you almost get a Twitter notification or are you called by an official? How does that work? Because a lot of times players talk about that. and You know, it's not always a good experience. Um, sometimes you find out via social media before you even talk to anybody. Um, like the first time I got traded, I found out from like a few buddy, a few buddies of mine. Uh, they actually texted me before I even heard anything. So um, a lot of times you're kind of left in the dark, you know, you're until, you know, maybe an hour or so after the transaction, a GM or a coach will call you and, you know, be like, Hey, welcome to the team or, you know, the team that just traded you or DFA'd you, you know, it's like, Hey, we decided to make this move. And so it, it's, there's not a whole lot of glamor put into transactions. So um it's kind of cut and dry, like, hey, see you later, or hey, we're you know, glad to have you. So last season you had your best season so far in the majors. What do you attribute that new success to? Um, just settling in. Um, I think with the Reds, I just had a hard time. One, I didn't know the hitters very well. I didn't know the league very well. Um, I was transitioning to a new team. Uh, you know, it, it was it was something that I felt like every time I went out there, I was kind of uncomfortable. And, you know, when you're – when you when you have – and, like, a lot of my problems were outside the lines. It wasn't even on the baseball field. It was more so just, like, you know, trying to get to know people, trying to fit in, trying to figure out, you know, how to even be a major leaguer. And it was just carrying over to my game. And so, it, you know, I think that's – it was one of those things where I'm really glad it happened because it kind of created a, a, you know, a callus or a second skin to where like a lot of things don't even bother me too much anymore. And so um, I think that's, that's like the biggest thing. It's just like getting your feet wet, 
Uh, and but you know, to be honest, some guys can do it. Some guys, you know, some guys can do it faster than other guys. And I was a guy that you know it took a year or two. So uh, that's that's about it. What's the uh, what's the difference in preparation for a game, almost mentally, between the majors and the minor leagues? How do you how do you get yourself ready? I don't. It, it's just the the daily routine. You know, show up to the field, uh, do whatever you need to do to get ready before you throw, stretch, throw, go out for BP, eat, and then the game. Um, very very simple for a reliever. You know, a lot obviously a lot more intricate when you're a starting pitcher and uh, you know. A, you know, infield or outfield or whatever. Um, but as a reliever, you kind of you you know you need to be ready every single day. So there's no there's never a you know. I, I guess that can apply to everybody, but um, you just I don't I really don't I I thinking about it. I just don't even think about it. So uh, I mean, every day you just you just try to stay ready. I mean, there's with me as a reliever, I don't really have too much of a routine. I just make sure my arm's good to go and. Uh, you know, whenever the middle innings, later innings roll around, I just, hey, I'm, I'm probably going to go in. That's it. If I don't go in, great. You know, so that's about it. You have a somewhat untraditional throwing style coming from the side. How did that develop? Did you always throw like that, or is that something that you developed later in your career? No, I, uh, I just started doing that last year, and that was because I was like, what else do I got to lose? <laughs> I, might as well, I might as well try to change something up. Um, and, uh, I just started doing that and it took me, you know, took me a little time to get used to it. Um, I was effective, but I really didn't have, uh, like my mechanics just weren't right. I wasn't really throwing that hard. And like my velo dropped down a lot last year. And, um, I think that was the biggest transition was just trying to figure out the mechanics of it. But other than that, I've always felt pretty comfortable throwing sidearm. Um, I was an infield infielder before uh, I got drafted, so throwing from different arm angles had never really bothered me too much. Who has been one of the hardest guys to get out so far in your time in the majors? I feel like most of the time it's always a left-hander, so, you know, probably Freeman. But I feel like that's everybody. I feel like nobody can get that guy out. <laughs> um, I feel like uh, I remember throwing against Jose Reyes a couple times, and it's just like, he just fouls everything off until you walk him or he gets a hit. Um, trying to think. I mean, there's a, there's a couple. Uh, Rendon, he's another guy that will just – he just, it feels like every time you throw a pitch, he knows it's coming. You know, the way he takes pitches and stuff like that. Um, but other than that, I mean, it's been, it's been pretty good uh, in terms of just – I mean, right-handers, I feel like, you know, I can I – can, that just feels almost second nature to face a right-hander. But um, here recently, like, you know, last year, just all of a sudden I've started doing really well against left-handers. And I think it's just a, a comfort thing. But I would say usually if it's a pretty good left-hander in the league, you know, like a, uh, a Freeman or something like that, it's probably I'll have a harder time with those guys just for some reason. So Was there, like, a specific moment once you, like, started transitioning to the majors where it kind of all hit you at once to where – playing in the major leagues and everything you had worked for up until that point had kind of come to fruition? Uh, definitely last year. And that was because with the Marlins being a guy with like two years in the major leagues, you're almost a veteran. <laughs> so um, it was kind of one of those moments that, you know, I felt 
like a major leaguer. You know, I felt like a, a guy that was helping the team out, and I didn't feel like a guy that was bouncing up and down. The other thing is I didn't have any more options left. So it was like, you know, what I, if I get what's going to happen? What's the worst thing? I'm going to get released, you know? So it was like I had nothing to lose. So it, last year it was uh, – I just kind of said F it, you know? And I was like, I'm just going to go out there and just do what I do good. And uh, I think that was the big turning point for me was – like just being real with myself, just being like, you know, I do this, I do this well, I'm just going to stick to it. Whatever happens, happens. And uh, I think that was just the biggest turning point. To kind of take it back to the whole situation of this season, how much time do you think players are going to need of like a spring training sort of thing to get ready for the season? Uh, I mean, the biggest thing is going to be starting pitchers. You know, I can't, I don't, I can't really say what, you know, you need to do, but as a starting pitcher, like I've heard, you know, some of the places I've worked out, you know, some starting pitchers are working out there. Like they're out there freaking throwing like five innings still. And so it's, you know, doing five up and downs. Um, so I think guys are doing a pretty good job. You know, guys like me, um, I feel like I get ready super fast. Like I'm, I'm, I'm facing live hitters on Friday. So I, I feel like, um, feel like if you just didn't not doing do anything after you know this little time period I feel like if you just kept going it, it probably wouldn't have been a big deal to build back up but if you were a guy that was like hey I'm gonna take this next month out because it's probably not gonna play then it's probably gonna be a little bit harder so um, I think that's about it you mentioned before that there are a lot of rumors and ideas floating around about what the season could look like um, rearrange divisions players in the stands spread out as a player, what do you think of some of those rumors? What do you want to see happen with this season? I just want to play. You know, like, I just want to – like, I'm, I'm, like, I'm throwing – I threw a bullpen yesterday, and it's almost like – it's like twilight zone because I'm like, what am I even doing right now? You know, it's like um, – I, I think that's about it. In terms of, like, what we need to do, I'll do whatever. You know, like if I have to stand in center field before I need to go pitch, like I'll, I'll go do it. It's not that big of a deal. Um, I think a lot of it is just uh, the logistics of everything. Um, and obviously health and safety is, you know, priority number one. Um, and I'm, I'm also worried about that first and foremost is just, hey, if we get to a hotel, is this hotel going to be ran through by everybody? And then all of a sudden we're going to be sleeping there and then, it's just like the small little things that will affect the long run. And um, I think that's, that's really all it is right now is just trying to find out the little tidbits of everything and, and um, make sure everybody's safe. Cause that's, that's all that matters right now. One thing that seems pretty likely is that there won't be fans in the stands. How does that affect players? It's not going to affect me at all. I mean, I played, <laughs> I played the Marlins for the past. You know, <laughs> there we um, go. I mean, that that just is what it is. You know, it's like freaking you play some games at home against, you know, like uh, the Mets or something. There's more Mets fans at home games. And so it, it wouldn't affect me one bit, man. I'm 100% used to it. Um, well, we can promise you that once fans are allowed, Boston would not be like that. Oh, yeah, I know yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but actually, I mean – to to whenever you have more people in the stands it's actually easier to pitch um 
in terms of, you know, if there's 40,000 people there, you can't even hear your own thoughts. So it's like, you don't even have time to even think about anything or somebody screaming. You can't even hear it. It all just sounds like whitewash. So it's actually easier for me at least to pitch in those situations because of that. Um, it helps them separate the mental yeah, and the yeah. physical. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's worse when you are there without fans because the one guy that's like hammered drunk behind third base <laughs> is screaming at you. And it's like echoing through the whole stadium. You're like, what the hell is going on? And so, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, it honestly, any, it won't bother me one bit. I mean, one of the ideas we had in our last episode is you put one super fan on one side of the stadium, one super fan, on the other side of the stadium, one for each team that is kind of just yell out like as representatives of the fan base. And then the, <laughs> the police officers will be in the middle of it, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, exactly. It's super fans, man. <laughs> I can only imagine what a super fan is in Boston. I feel like everybody's a super fan. Yeah, it's a whole um, different breed. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I hate comparing it, but, like, one of my favorite places to play is Philly. I, I just feel I, I, like Philly and, and the Northeast, I just love playing up there, man, because people just have, like, a different – feeling for sports and a different like vibe and just like a whole different type of passion for sports. And it's like, even though guys are yelling at you and telling you you suck and you know, that they <laughs> slept with your mom and stuff like that. In the stands, <laughs> like it, It's just like something about like the passion of, of that. And just like the sheer, just assholeness of everything, <laughs> like just rubs up on you and it makes you play better. Like that's the only way I can describe it. Um, it, it really, it really is awesome playing just anywhere in the Northeast. And, um, because you, you know, it's just like a different, different level of passion. One thing I like to ask all players, do you have any superstitions or like rituals you do before every game? I think it's my socks. For some reason, I always like, I got to put my, my socks on. I go left foot and then right foot and that's it. I don't know. It's something like I've always been OCD about for some reason and really, it's the only thing I worry about. <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, I got my sock. Okay, put it on my left foot, right foot, and we're good. You know, it's like, that's it. It's the weirdest thing. But I, like, subconsciously, when I put on my socks, I'm thinking about that. I don't know why. It's super weird. Have you seen any other players with some interesting ones? Yes. Too many. Can I, there, I played with this one guy, and he's actually my best friend. Uh, one of my best friends, and uh, he's he's unreal OCD, like needs to be medicated OCD. <laughs> he knows exactly who he is if he were to see this. And there was one time we messed with his locker so much that he actually would pack his stuff every single day and take it home with him and then bring it back and then set it up the way he needed it set up. He had everything hung up the way he wanted it. He had things placed in certain areas that he wanted to place. And, like, so he would leave the room and we would go switch everything around. And he would come back and freaking destroy the whole locker room because he's so pissed. Like, it was so funny messing with this guy. And so he was, he was one of those guys that was, like, over the top uh, OCD about things. And it, it, was, it was pretty funny messing with him. I know you haven't been here long, but in spring training, did you get to see any of Raphael Devers kind of rituals in that bats where he's like hitting himself in the helmet and saying stuff to himself and taking the breaths. Have you seen any of that? Yeah, I saw some of that. I don't, I don't know if it's, I think it's just his, his way of gaming. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think it's just like his way of like, 
of just being in the moment and getting in the zone. Um, you know, I feel like I do the same thing too. I'll be on the mound and you just start talking to yourself. I, I think it's just because you're just in so alone and so central. You got to have something. You got to feed off of something. So, uh, yeah, I got to see that. And you know, I mean, just like, you know, some guys like bite their bat and stuff. It's so weird, like some of the stuff you see some guys do. So, uh, and some of them are disgusting. Like you see some guys do some things, you're like, hmm, I would, I don't know. Which we need to clarify, which we need to fix in this whole corona thing is we need to stop doing some of that stuff. Yeah, you can't be licking bats or balls. Yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> the other thing they need to address too, man, if, if they this whole like finger licking thing is a thing is like what are guys going to do with the baseballs in terms of like getting a better grip? Are they going to allow like, you know, certain substances to be used uh, for that reason? Because, dude, some of these balls that they throw to us, man, are like cue balls with like baby powder on them. Like you just – you throw them and they're going to take off. Um, and so that that's another like little tidbit they got to they gotta address is, is stuff like that. So it's just, man, it's just like in, endless amounts of things they have to address before the season gets started. As a pitcher, do you think the balls are juiced? I mean, we, we see all the home run numbers going up every year. Do you think – there's something like they're corking the balls or something. As a pitcher, a hundred percent. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, dude, there's just sometimes like you throw a certain pitch and a guy will hit it and it'll just go out and you're like, just how? Like, there's there's no business that he had like hitting that ball out. And the thing is, like, coming off the bat, sometimes being out there on the field. Like, they'll catch it off the end of the bat, and it'll just go over the right field wall or the left field wall, and it'll sound solid. And you're just like, there's there's no way that ball came off solid. Um, I think a few years ago it was really bad. Like, guys, just hitting BP, man. Guy, the ball was just making a crack off certain guys' bats um, that it had no business coming off that way. And I saw some guys that uh, I played with in the minors – that had very like wet newspapery type of bats, contact hitters and stuff like that. All of a sudden, clipping pitches in the major leagues, like it doesn't. It just doesn't. You don't like turn on this magical power like button when you make it to the major leagues. It should be the same, right? Um, and uh, I saw plenty of guys that had no business hitting the balls out the way they were in the major leagues, and they weren't doing it in the minors. So. That should tell you a lot right there. How have you had to adjust the way you pitch to kind of counter that? Just throw it where they don't hit it as well. <laughs> I mean, <that's, laughs> the, cool, the cool thing in the, in the majors, man, there's so much info on so many guys that you kind of – you have an idea of what you need to do before you face them. That literally, man, there's like pitches that if you throw guys, they will hit it out, that pitch. Like the, it's, it's that fine on approach. Um, there's just some pitches like you throw it and it's like you, you throw it and you're like, man, they just hit that out. Like before they even go to swing, it's just like, and if they miss it, that's great, but they're not going to miss it. That's the thing. It's just, they, they don't miss. Um, so you have an idea of what guys do well, what they don't do well. And you just try to attack that plan. Sometimes it goes against your own strengths. So you just have to kind of suck it up and be like, hey, I need to do this or it's just not going to go my way. 
So I've, I, that's about it. It's, there's no really crazy recipe. It's just no knowing what guys do well and trying to attack their weaknesses. One last thing I want to ask you, since this is your first year with the Red Sox and the Red Sox fan base, what's one thing that you want Red Sox fans to know about you? I'm trying really, really hard. <laughs> um, I mean, when I'm going out there, I'm going out there to fucking rip throats. I mean, that's all there is to it. Um, if I get hit up, I get hit up. But I'm not out there like, you know, pussyfooting around, man. Um, I'm going out there to try to get outs, and I'm trying to go out there to win. Um, that's all I can do. I mean, I, like, yeah, I don't know if you watched Last Dance with, you know, Steve Carr. I feel like I can relate to Steve Carr because sometimes I'm that guy that talks a lot of trash or whatever, and sometimes I don't back it up. Even though I'm trying whatever I can do to back it up, it's just, you know, sometimes you're just not destined to be great, you know, all the time. But I'm that guy that's going out there. I'm trying to freaking win. I'm trying to do whatever I can to win. And uh, that's all I can do, man. If you get hit, you get hit. I mean – you just got to go to the next game and, and, and make up for it. Sounds like you fit in real well. Yeah, Sounds you'll good. do great in Boston. <laughs> yeah, you, can't, you, can't be, uh, you can't be a softy playing up in, up in Boston. No. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We loved having you. You were great. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, fellas. Thank, thank you. you. All right. Y'all take it easy. There you go. That was Austin Bryce, reliever for the Red Sox. Uh, big shout out to Austin Bryce for coming on, taking the time to do that with us. We appreciate him coming on. It was a great interview. Hope you guys enjoyed it. It's an iPad 4. The man has four iPads. I don't think that's what it means. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so does that mean I have 10 iPhones if I have the iPhone 10? No, 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 because, okay. No, so, so just so you guys know, we're talking about his Zoom name. His Zoom name was iPad in parentheses four, so that's. But it was in parentheses. Mm-hmm. So wouldn't that mean like number whatever that you have? I, I feel like he's just not sitting at his house with like a line of iPads in a yeah, row. Yeah, he probably doesn't have. Well, he might have one for his His wife might have one. He might have one for baseball-related things, and one. So for... he has two iPads. His wife has an iPad. Yeah, but they're all his, his toddler so has his toddler has an iPad. He has a four-year-old son. Well, like I, I feel know. like I don't know. Um, moving on, we still don't know if baseball is coming back or not. We're sitting nice. here in mid-May. There's no baseball. We don't know if it's coming back. There's lots of ideas circulating, rumors. We were just talking about this. The general consensus we have is we still don't really think baseball is coming back in 2020. Um, there's just too many obstacles to clear. Uh, the, the difference between what the owners in the league think should happen and what the players' union would let happen, that, that gap might just be too big. In the past couple of weeks, one of the biggest storylines has been the pay cuts. Blake Snell was outspoken about that. So I want to get into that a little bit. H- how fair is it for the owners to ask players to take these giant pay cuts? It's not. I think it's fair for the owners to ask, absolutely. Because the owners aren't getting any kind of the same revenue, right? I mean, you have numbers to prove it. You have numbers to back it up. It's just not the same. And for the players' union, and I understand it's way more complicated than take a pay cut. No, we won't. Um, But to say, like, for the players' union to say, it's not our fault that people aren't walking through sitting in the stands, it's completely unrelated to us. 
that seems a little bit um, not the direction that we want to go in. But. Here's here's my counter argument to that, Garrett. Um, I don't think it's necess- I think it's not fair to ask for a player to take a pay cut because when you think about it, like you're still like all industries across the country are still paying employees if they're not working at least a little bit of their money, but they're they're not asking them to take a pay cut. They're still pay- paying paying. Well, they're getting they're getting laid off. People are getting laid off. A lot that's of people what happens. Are, they get laid off and they say, you know, maybe we can come back to your job, but I don't think that's going to happen for everyone for sure. It's, it stinks for everybody. And for the players union to say like, we're, we're special for some reason, you know, employers are going around all over the place. That's what an owner is. He's an employer. They're going around saying you have to take a pay cut. We can't afford to pay you. And for the, the players, what's going to happen if a season just doesn't happen? Are they going to get paid for the 2020 year? Is that fair for them to get paid for not working? Well, I, I don't I, know. I think Blake Snell's perspective is he's earned the money that he's getting paid because he's been so good. Like, how is it fair? Well, everyone, everyone would get a pay cut. It would be, you know, just if you're gonna if you're gonna play, you're gonna have to pay at a lower play at a lower price because people aren't coming to the mm-hmm. stands. And to to split baseball as a sport into players versus owners in the league instead of baseball as a united front that is suffering from people not walking in the stands is just a little odd well i mean in like every sports bait or every sports like uh league is divided at some point between the owners and the, the players and that's why they have like strikes and unions and stuff like that and i think i think the unions like the players union is valid in thinking that they deserve more than a pay cut and not being able to play. I understand what you're saying about like the the lack of revenue, but I would imagine if baseball does come back, it'll earn more revenue than it would have because people will be so excited to watch it again. Yeah. I was thinking about that too. I just, I, someone has an idea of the numbers. I just don't. So someone has that written up in a spreadsheet somewhere, what the numbers probably will look like. Um, I don't have that, but yeah, that thought crossed my mind too. I mean, it's definitely a fact that baseball is going to lose a lot of money. When you're not having these fans coming into the park every day, you're going to lose a lot of money. I think I saw the number was somewhere in like the hundred millions, how much money they're going to lose um, Mm -hmm. regularly. So when you're losing that much money, that has to be made up for somewhere. There has to be some kind of pay cut. And I think the problem that people have with them asking the players to take pay cuts is the owners are like billionaires and the players are millionaires so i guess you can say that um there's more room for the owners to take pay cuts and it's not fair for them to ask the players when the players have like these these contracts that they agreed upon um but at the same time if you can't if there isn't enough money for you to be paid what you're supposed to be paid then you got to take some kind of sacrifice there for the game to happen I'm yeah. always going to side with the players because, like, I mean, that's the way that it's supposed to be. But both sides have to give a little bit if we want baseball to happen. I agree. I, 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 don't, I don't think it's happening. I don't know. It won't happen. But in order for it to even potentially happen, Jason's right. The owners need to give a little bit and so do the players. The safety thing is also so complicated. and it is. So I, I saw, what, there was a soccer match. And I saw these pictures of the guys all sitting like six feet apart from each other on the sideline, which is insane. Yeah, the soccer match happened and then someone contracted Corona. 
No, because they're on the same on the same field. They're contesting yeah. the same ball. It's it means nothing. It's all like theater. It's it's you know make you feel safe theater, because and that's not a hot take. That's the truth. If you sit six feet away from each other on the sideline, you're still running up, sweating, spitting, breathing on the people next to you when you run onto the field. It means nothing. So to to have a league where you have to be so careful and almost put in place things just to make the public happy and make it seem like you're really trying hard it's it's a little sad for me that that's the only way it would have to be and but um that's i just don't think it's happening to safety it's such a big hurdle and in baseball it, there's so much like proximity involved like how would you tag a guy out at second base yeah you, you indian rubber. They... i was thinking you can put in the indian rubber rule you chuck it at them <laughs> hit him in the back and they're out yeah, and there's like how how far like how are catchers umps and the guy at bat supposed to separate each other like separate from each other? They're no, all within they, they six. Wouldn't. So exactly, they and it's yeah. That's just like that's just not like safe, and I think that no player would be comfortable doing that. And I don't think an well, umpire would be honest either. So no, you you have to have a league where everyone's tested coming into the game day and everyone's tested on their way out. So it never never you know you're never gonna have to worry about anyone on the field having it because if you don't have it you can't contract it you can't pass it so you'd have to test everyone and to say like no you and i guess your close family so pick five three people four pick three to five people on who you want to take and live in this hotel with you but don't speak to those people the entire season the 130 whatever game season they're going to get out of this and then there's the issue of like if you test everybody before and after every single game there's not going to be enough testing to go around for the rest of the country. I think, I think it's it, it, the reality that we operate under for the MLB is that testing is super available and it's getting better and it's still getting better. Like Massachusetts is, is pretty good at that point, but nowhere no, it, where it is getting better, but it's not to the point so where that's, that we have to, there's, that's one of the assumptions like testing is available. That's one of the assumptions checked. If this was going to happen, this would be one of them. So I, I guess in theory that happens, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's such a big deal. I just, so many factors are going into it. And I don't know if, I, I don't know what the, what the, de- uh, the end date is. I don't know what happens if they just don't play. I don't know who gets paid if they just don't play. And the there's going to be so on, many issues with like service and, time and, and the players on yeah. one year contracts like Mookie yeah. Betts, like does he go to free agency next year or does he have to play a year with the Dodgers? I just think there's too many problems. Like when you're talking about trying to keep the players safe, trying to limit the contact they have with each other, that's so difficult when you're playing baseball. Like you're going to be tagging people. You're going to be sliding in. You're going to be – the biggest thing that I think is going to be a problem is like they're going to ban like sunflower seeds, high fives, like just general spitting. They're going to tell you you can't spit. That's just not that easy. You can't – tell players that they can't do these things that are such a big part of the game you're playing a sport if we're gonna get the sport played we're gonna be in contact with people the only reality that is any kind of feasible is you test everyone when they come in so the virus never ever touches the baseball field that's the only way and you don't worry about all that stuff what happens when the manager wants to switch pitchers like will he just like (laughs) yeah have the pitcher the starting pitcher drop the ball on the mound and have the like a clorox pitcher like maneuver through the infield and outfield to like not come within six feet of anybody to get the ball but then he picks up a ball the other pitcher was holding no what you do is they got to create like clorox wipe gloves where Mm. you only touch stuff with like disinfecting hands 
Or like you use a new baseball on every single pitch, which they already kind of do. <laughs> it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work. It the can't. only reality yeah. is you test everyone coming in, test everyone coming out, and the tests come back in like 15 minutes like a flu test. That's the only reality. And then once you get past that hurdle, you still have to deal with money. So good luck with that. Austin Bryce touches a little bit on it, doesn't he? He doesn't, he doesn't get too controversial, but just a little bit. The biggest message he had was, like, he just wants to play. I feel like that's kind of a general consensus among the players, too. Like, they're baseball players, and they're not playing baseball during baseball season. And that's yeah. tough. It's tough for us fans, but it's probably even tougher for those players because they committed their careers to this. And Yeah, it's their livelihood. Yeah. Like I said before, I think there's just too many hurdles, too many obstacles where it, it isn't realistic enough to happen this year, especially since we're already in mid-May and we're not that close to a resolution. I mean, they were talking about July 4th as the, the planned start date, but if that's the, patriotic as hell, let's go. <laughs> if the league and the players can't sort this out, that's not going to happen. Yeah, for sure. I saw this video. I don't know. I don't remember specifically which pitcher it was, but there was a pitcher and he was throwing down a dock. Oh, that was Marcus was like, Stroman. That was sick. I do like seeing what some of these major leaguers are doing to stay ready. Some of the creative things that they come up with. That's like pretty- Joey Votto's like batting cage in his house. Yeah, and Mitch Moreland's in his barn. <laughs> y- yes, the barn. Um, we're going to debut a new segment today because that's all we keep doing is debuting new segments and then not returning to them. Dugout debate. <laughs> um, the way that this works is we just kind of debate something and I put a – uh, made it sound like alliteration sound cool um today's debate topic is time travel so here i have this tweet um from drew curtis from december 31st 2015 that says admission i'm a time traveler from 2020 enjoy 2016 it's as good as it gets for a while is time travel real <laughs> Is that the evidence you have, Jason? That's yes. The, that's what you got? Yes. Exactly. Uh, no, time oh. travel is not real, but if it On were... On a side note, no, Alex, wait a second. People who say, like, 2016 music was the best. No, stop. You're wrong. Ew. Just, yeah, just Garrett's stop. all about that 90s and 80s rock. Come on now. No, it's like... It's like Stop looking back. The only reason you think music is good from the past is because you just remember the good stuff. You don't remember Little Pump. You just remember the good stuff. So <laughs> you that's do why not I remember like, Gucci Gang. Yeah, that's why it was like, you know, the oh, whole music was so much better in 2000. No, because you just remember the good things. I mean, it's Sorry, not music related, but it's not music related. But David Ortiz, that was the last year that he played for the Red Sox. So that's oh, so one reason why twenty sixteen. Yeah, that's um, true. Time travel. <laughs> So, we're really we're really digging for topics here. Um, Seventy days into quarantine. Yep, dude, we should have we. It's sixty nine days into quarantine. Get it right, loser. I rounded up. I'm sorry. Time travel is not real, but if it was, it would be really confusing, and there will be a lot of like alternate like split timelines because of people trying to change past decisions. You say there would be a lot of, but what if we're in one of them right now? Whoa. <laughs> what if it was like the thing Big from prank. like Endgame where Doctor Strange with like the thing made the, the, time the mind go stone? Like, 
like the thing where it has like the lines and, and then there's like the the black one that goes away from it that's i mean in theory we could we could just like someone could have had a, a special rock or like a shiny wrench the magical shiny wrench that like sped <laughs> up time but we would have no idea someone could have just totally messed up our our scenario and we would have no so, idea garrett what you're telling me is back to the future is real Back to the Future, pretty good movies. And I got to say, I kind of like all of them. People say that the first one's, like, I like all of them. I even like that Midwest one. Midwest one, Wild okay. West one. My one gripe with the Back to the Future movies is the title, because they go to the past. No, they go to the future Back once. to the Future. Fast they go forward to the future to sometimes, past. don't they? Oh, they, yeah, they go to the future. They go to the future, yeah. Yeah, they go and they meet. They meet. They get well, like, the hoverboard. They're just like they. They go both. They go the. the it becomes win the World Series. Yeah, I I yeah. know, but like the like the the first the premise of the first movie is that they go back in time. Yeah. And Marty McFly explore explores his Oedipus complex with his mother. The Cubs won the World Series in 2016. <laughs> that is correct. True. That's another thing connecting it back to 2016. There's something oh, here. And I'm then Astros in 2017. That was when their cheating thing started. Uh, yes. Yes. It's the alternate yeah, reality. But... If we were in an alternate reality, how would we get out of it? We wouldn't. I don't think you would just I... die and live. Here, and here's die. my thought process. Here's the alternate. So every single moment a decision is made, a new alternate reality starts. So we're just we just happen to be stuck on one course. Mm-hmm. It just keeps chain like keeps moving and branching off and branching off. So like there's an alternate timeline where I j- didn't just say that. And it's going in a different direction now. <laughs> There's also another alternate timeline where we're talking to David Ortiz right now in his house. Exactly. That's going to happen, though. Don't worry. That's going to happen. That's just later. Yeah, that's later. Yeah, that's just later. If you just see the future, that's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, um, I feel like that's a good note to leave it. So um, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the Austin Bryce interview. Um, I don't know if it's going to be another month before we do the next episode. Probably not. Hopefully not. Um, we'll try to get another guest on too. But until next time, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll see you then. Any closing remarks? Peace. Goodbye. Hands and uh, uh... yep. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs>